Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. The episode 109 here. We're back in action. Let's get that posture cranked up, grab ourselves a refreshment. Ah. Let's have a good show. We've got some very special guests this evening. We've got my brother from another mother, Drakar Close. Yes, yes. His comeback is coming soon here in the UFC. He just got scheduled. And we got my new friend here, Father John. And I can't wait to hit some subjects with Father John here. But first, real quick, let's thank our sponsors. Um, Phillips Law. One billion plus, one for our clients. Trusted and recommended since 1993. Over 1,800 plus Google reviews. Official partners of the Arizona Cardinals and ASU Sun Devils. You need Phillips. Phillips Law, the best injury law firm in the world. Okay, we're back in action here. Um, we're here with my buddy Drakar and Father John. We'll get to an interview with Father John, and I can't wait for it here in a little bit. But first, we got Drakar Close. He's coming off a two-fight win streak here. Um, 155 pounds, coming back after his knee injury, and he's coming back stronger than ever. He got booked with Joe Selecki, and that fight, it got switched from Minneapolis to Austin. Yes, sir. So we got Austin, Texas versus Joe Selecki. And Jakar's been coaching um, the advanced um, MMA squad here at the Red Hawk Academy, and it's been doing good. I mean, all our guys, we're having a, I mean, we're, we're barely losing. We're barely losing. So I think Jakar's doing a good job. I think we're doing a good job. And it seems like Jakar's skills have went to a whole new level in my opinion, it just looks like it just from having to break down the techniques and having to teach people the techniques. Do you think? Of course, like we talked the other day, like when when you're on the sideline and now you're have to coach, you have to, you know, break down those little details, you know. Yeah. And you really when when you know something, I mean, you either can if you if you can write something down, then you probably know it and then if you can teach it and teach it to new people or teach it to more advanced people and make it make sense it really makes more sense in your brain so i'm looking forward to it and and i kind of been embracing it a little bit more because you know you know i'm a realist my career is almost over Mm -hmm. so and now it's the future these next guys and yeah I i think we're building a good team here so yeah, and the guys, I mean, love you and respect you a lot. And I think, though, I think you're going to have a good run at the title right now. You're you're healthy. You have another kid on the way, but you're going to be strong. And I feel like in the past fights, you're just this 155-pound animal. People don't realize how strong you are until you grab a hold of them or you, until you hit them with one blitz and then you get them on the cage and people are like, holy cow, how is this guy a 155-pounder? Because sometimes you're walking around 190, 195. <laughs> now you're keeping your weight um a little bit better now but i think there's a good chance right now that you're in your prime and you're gonna make a good run and joe selecki is in for a beating yeah i think dude i think it's all like you know it's all gonna line up perfectly and it starts with joe yeah and how how have you done staying positive through the acl because when people blow out their acls or they get knee injuries a lot of people get hooked on pain pills they start being depressed. They start feeling sorry for themselves. But it seemed like even right after your surgery, you were back in the gym. You were doing things that, I mean, doing the best you can at other things. How have you been staying, like, positive through that? Dude, like, by you. You and coaching these guys because they don't they don't care if I'm injured. I still got to show up for them. Mm-hmm. So, 
And, uh, you know, right before I had got injured, I had to eat a whole bunch of shrooms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used to hate training. But, you know, after eating those shrooms, it kind of lined everything up and it let me know, like, I don't have much time. So I have to be grateful mm-hmm. for each time I step onto that mat. And that's how I've been just carrying every day, like, just be be thankful that I'm here able to do this. God, that's one thing injuries do. They really, when you come back from an injury, it makes you grateful. Because when you're injured, it's like, gosh, you you just, when you're injured, you do anything just to get back to training, get back to those hard pushes, get back to getting tired and being with all the boys. So those injuries really do make you grateful for training. And then even when you come back to training, it's easy to go back to that injury and be like, God, I just got to be thankful. Even if I got beat up this practice, I just got to be thankful I got through that practice healthy. Yep. Like Even like with your injuries, like you got, you got injured, but your knowledge improved so much. Mm-hmm. And now... You know, I, I look up to you as a coach, so, and all that's rubbing off on me, so. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, because I'm, I'm super thankful for you and Courtney. Without you and Courtney, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what the heck I'd be doing. Hey, do you mind if I chime in on this? Yeah, yeah, bit? let's do it. I'm 61 years old, and, and uh, I've been in the gym actually quite a bit. Uh, when I went back to, the, to working out in my 40s, um, I had one goal when I'd go in every day, and that was to avoid injury because I saw – Guys go in, they do something to their shoulder, do something to their back or their knee, and they're out for six months. So when I had a bad day, and you know the, the, what I mean by a bad day, when you go into the gym, you get under the bar, whatever you're doing, and you can't bring your full strength to bear. And so you squirm or you do something, you know, you try and do something so you can do it. I learned just, just to walk away at that point um, and say, I need a day off. This isn't the day. I don't, I don't want an injury because the injury is going to keep me from coming back and, and working out. And I found that actually worked out very well. I went a good three solid years without a single injury, which I'm the only person I know that's ever done that. Uh, and admittedly, I don't know everybody that works out. But I did it regularly enough to know that um, uh, by doing that, I avoided trouble. I spent more time in the gym. I made more advances. And likewise, when I got to the age where I didn't want to do any more heavy lifting because I didn't want to mess up my joints forever, um, that uh, it it paid off in that way. So, you know, from an older guy talking to younger guys who were much better at what you do than I ever was, for sure. But, yeah, you become thankful, and you actually do better. Yeah. Uh, you do better in the long run. Yeah, and now, Dracar, 33, 34, and now it's like, compared to when we were 22, 23, 24, just breaking down our body, eating like crap, training twice a day. Now I see you over there at, at Joe's. Joe's constantly training, focusing on just taking care of your body. And the training has changed a little bit. It's weird because it's almost like your body's getting older, but your brain's getting wiser um, when it comes to, when it comes to training and stuff. How's your training been going? Uh, Training's been great. You know, um, like you say, like, I think you need to break your body down when you're in your twenties because you need to build that, you know, repetition and all that. But when you get older, you can, you can cut back on that. You know, not not as much, you know, just play sparring. Mm-hmm. We don't, you don't have to kill yourself. We did the reps a million times. You just got to keep it sharp. Yeah, there was this documentary that came out about the Brands Brothers. That I think it's called Terry. And it came out, talks about the Brands Brothers. And they go through this grueling training, just killing themselves. And then he lost in the Olympics. And then he talked to uh, Gable. And Gable's like, hey, man, you're getting older now. Just train when you feel really good and train hard. And then get to feeling really good again and then train really hard. 
And he, he, he ended up switching up his training when he got a little bit older and they ended up winning the Olympics. <laughs> so I think got to remember you're, when you're not 20 anymore, you're not 20 anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, it sounds dumb, but you'd be surprised how often I say that to people, young men in my church, older people in my church, to myself on a regular basis. You know, I'm, I'm used to carrying heavy things, used to doing a lot of things. You can't do it anymore without injury or you're worse. You drop something on your foot and really make but it. I, but I think you still got to have that mentality. It's that the discipline. 20 year old. Yeah, it's the discipline that you've picked up over doing the grinding stuff in the early days. Yeah. But yeah. Take, making an account for the fact that, yeah, you're a dad now, you're in your 30s, and things aren't going to be working the same as they did 10 years ago, or in my case, 40 years ago. I know mm. my my little pecker is starting to it's starting to shrivel yeah. up a bit, huh? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Father John probably has no issue there. <laughs> uh, you got baby number two on the way, Dre. How yep. you feeling about that? I'm freaking pumped about that. Uh, I'm excited. You know, congratulations, kid number two, second baby mama. Mm -hmm. so. Congratulations on that. <laughs> no, I but it. I bet I bet Courtney. Sorry, go ahead. I bet Courtney's pumped up. Oh, she is, dude. She's she excited. Um, we're about to actually go see. Go see him 3D today. Oof. That's going to be awesome because, I mean, you could tell Courtney's just going to be, she's going to be a great mom. Uh, she's already a good mom to Kingston. Yep. Um, so I'm excited for you guys. How many kids you got, Father? I have three adult sons and 12 grandchildren. Really? Yeah. Dang, your boys went busy. Yeah, yep. they, they spread got four the each. Seed. They <laughs> yeah. spreaded the seed. And they're, uh, uh, the oldest is like eight, and the youngest is a year and a half. So it was bah, 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 all these babies coming out, which is actually very beautiful. They all get along real well together. They have a lot of fun together. And and for me to see all the – my last name is Peck. So to see all the little Pecklings running around is a lot of fun. It's a, it's great fun, actually. All the and I, I see – yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's fun to see – my the traits of my sons coming out in their children, traits from my grandfather coming out in my grandchildren. It's a strange thing. Oh, I bet. But uh, it's uh, they say you get your gray hair from your parish and your gray beard from your children. So, they, something to look forward to, right? <laughs> so, Father John, your religion is what? Uh, Orthodox Christianity, like Russian Orthodoxy or Greek Orthodoxy. Uh, it's the second largest Christian body in the world. Uh, behind the, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, you know, if you go to Japan, there are Japanese Orthodox. If you go to parts of Africa, there's African Orthodox. Guatemala has two million Orthodox in it. And here in America, we outnumber Episcopalians three to one, but you'd never know it, mostly because when Orthodox Christians came to this country, they were coming uh, as uh, refugees. They were getting away from Islam. They were getting away from communism and other under unbelievable persecution for a long time so they pretty much just wanted to be left alone now i'm not russian or greek or romanian or serbian any of these traditional orthodox places i'm kind of anglo-saxon you know but uh the long and the short of it is is my wife and i started sort of retracing the old schism trail what did the early church actually believe what was their actual witness and what did they also not believe and teach and um were you were here. you born and raised oh no 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 i was a protestant so you you were a protestant until what age uh college started uh, actually doing research because a lot of the a lot of the information we had was you know the apostles uh died first century and then martin luther appears in the 16th century well, what goes on for that thousand five hundred years well 
they never talked about it. So we actually looked it up and started learning about the history of uh, Christianity and culture. And and it really impacts a, a lot of things. It impacts the scientific method, which was invented by Christians. It, it impacts culture. It impacts anthropology and a lot of other things. So the I, I decided to try to describe it like this. Let's say you have a, uh, a manual of martial arts, and you decide you're going to go to the book and you're going to try and learn it. Now, we've all studied, so you know how good that'll be, right? But you're, you really want to work hard on it. And you practice, uh, let's say, um, Osotogari, the one of the first leg sweeps you learn in judo. Real simple. And you get pretty good at it. But it's not going to be anything like having someone who's been taught by someone taught by the founder who actually understands how this is how you do it on the street this is how you do it in the gym you don't want to hurt somebody in the gym on the street you want to do maximum damage you would have no idea that the appropriate way to do an osotogari is to pull someone off their balance and almost get your heel so high that you're you're hitting the upper part of their thigh or frankly in their butt crack that is a highly effective Osotogari technique. You've never learned that from a book. Mm-hmm. But that's what most of Christianity is. Learning from which translation? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they, they're people who've never been to the Holy Land. They, they are not natural speakers of the language of the Bible, which is Greek and or Hebrew. They don't know the traditions that Christians over there have, have understood for a long time. And so they sort of make it up themselves. And that's what... That's why there are 40,000 different denominations. Everybody believes what they believe because they've got the Bible, but nobody agrees on anything. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we decided to try and understand, rather than judge history ourselves, we decided to be judged by history and look back and see what did the early church actually do. I mean, what did those early Christians really do? There is a document, uh, it's very well known, it's in public domain, everybody has access to it. It's called the Didache, it means the teaching of the Twelve Apostles. It's the first Christian catechism, probably written before the fall of Jerusalem, so around 70 AD, very early. Some of the the New Testament hasn't even been written by then. And it says what early Christians did. And I thought, this is good, is anybody still doing this? We fast on Wednesday and Friday, not on Monday and Thursday like the Jews do. We we believe that there's a way of life and a way of death, and the difference between the two is big. They're not similar to each other at all. And it goes through a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So our question was real simple. Is anybody still doing this? We didn't expect we didn't expect the infant to look like the teenager. Okay? So we didn't expect the church to look identical to what we thought it might have looked at 2,000 years ago. But we wanted to know if that infant actually was still alive and just matured. And I'm talking about the church, Christianity in general. Well, that's what he found what orthodoxy is. Orthodox Christianity is primitive, patristic Christianity. And let me make this point because it's very, it's critically important. Western Christianity is all based on uh, kind of Roman culture, and I don't mean Roman Catholic culture. Roman culture was based on the the tablet of 12 laws. They had 12 laws, and Roman society was based on these laws. It was law-based. Greek society, on the other hand, was based on their their preeminent value, which was wisdom. If Christianity 
today, appeared today for the first time, it probably actually, in its original form, wouldn't be considered a religion. It would be considered a therapeutic uh, teaching. Mm. The in other words, we would we have a very specific anthropology. If sin is a thing, then sin breaks part of you and diseases part of you. It disintegrates the person. And grace, therefore, reintegrates the parts of the person which have been broken, which are not in place, which are not connected to each other. And it's it's sort of the same thing if you can imagine if your leg falls asleep. And I mean, really, you've ever had that happen when it really falls asleep? Oh, yeah. When you can hit it with a knife and nothing, right? Yeah, you beat the fuck out of you. Yeah. You can do anything you want to. You could cut it off. You'd never know. Mm-hmm. For sure, and when you get up, you it's not connecting properly. You can't sense anything from it. You have no realization that it's there. In other words, it's it's dead, as far as you're concerned, it's dead. And you know, for someone who's never, for example, been swimming, someone who's never been wet, it's impossible to describe what the ocean is like. Yeah. So for 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 um, Orthodox Christianity. Um, what happens after we die? After the, according to the scriptures, after this life, there is the judgment. In other words, not who you think you are, not what you think you are, what you really are, uh, stands before God. And then if it's not good, where do you go? Well, none of us are good. If you were trying to be the best Christian possible, where do you go? Uh, the same where everybody goes. Let me put it. Let me see if I can explain this clearly. We all see the sun, right? Mm-hmm. All right, but the sun doesn't change. But if I have a ball of wax and a ball of clay, and I put them in the sun, what happens? They melt. The wax melts. Mm. The clay hardens. Same sun doesn't change. Okay. Same thing with uh, the same thing with uh, our soul before God. It yeah, says in either. Scripture sometimes that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why would He do that? Because He's shining His grace on Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's heart is of a quality that it hardens in God's grace rather than softens and preparing for grace. I'll give you another example. Let's say, because this is a very important distinction, we don't believe that hell is a place of pitchforks and demons smacking people and things like that. people partying, doing coke. Oh my gosh, no. Unknown caller. What the? Sorry about that. That's okay. I was going to say. Who's calling? I think think Earth is hell. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Now imagine this. That same sun that we are illumined by, through which we see everything by, Let's say you're standing at sunrise across a snowy landscape, mm-hmm. all right? And the and the window opens, and you get all of that sun and all that reflection right into your eyes. What do you do? Kind of turn away a little right, bit. Right. You're blinded. You're snow blind. Mm-hmm. And you, you, it starts to cry, and you're in pain. Same sun that illumines everything. Mm-hmm. But now, now here's the thing. If your soul is uh, cleansed uh, by the grace of Christ, and you've learned to love God and your neighbor more than yourself, 
more than the world, more than food, more than booze, more than sex, then the presence of God shines on you and it illumines you. It lights you up. And it hardens you up. Yeah. Like now, clay. If you if you have an animalistic life, you turn away from God, you turn away from his revelation, you turn away from even, you use people like you use you know, tissue paper or, or uh, objects, then when you actually stand before God and find out who you are, it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be painful. So will it be the same kind of painfulness if you're going through life and you're trying to make other people better, you're treating your body healthy, you're, you're really doing a lot of good, but you don't have that particular belief in that religion? Oh, it's the same for everybody. And the scriptures are very clear about this. God consigns all to condemnation because we sin. Okay, so once you sin, you're no longer perfectly clean. You're no longer perfect. You're already dysfunctional. Okay, and the only way to be refunctional, uh, to be to be made functional again, is to be recreated. Uh, any of you guys know uh, Dennis Rogers? Uh, he's a strong man, and um, he would often in his shows he would take a uh, a frying pan and he would roll it up in his hands. And he's like 5'8", very powerful guy. And he would say, look, this, this now, this frying pan can no longer fulfill the f- purpose and function for which it was made. It's now distorted. It's impossible. The only way that it can return to being what it was supposed to be from the beginning was to be sent back to the manufacturer and recreated. And we call this being born again. It's not a, I have an emotional experience it's being recreated in the image of God. This is why people say, well, you have to be perfect to get in heaven. Nobody's perfect. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Christ was the only perfect person, and it's only in participating in his life that we are healed, that we are reintegrated. That's why Christians would rather die terrible death than change the faith by a single letter because when you distort the truth let me put it this way 99% whipped cream and 1% cow manure is still a dessert you don't want to eat yeah unless you're really hungry yeah but you're going to get sick yeah <laughs> right yep. no matter what happens you're going to get sick well we yeah. put 1% strychnine that'll kill you fast it looks good tastes good smells good but it'll kill you mm-hmm. the same with everything else if you want to stand before and let me put it this way, so that everybody understands. Everyone's going to live forever. Not everyone's going to enjoy it. The purpose of Christianity is to heal the soul so that people can spend eternity in happiness and joy. Can the soul be healed and stuff without the Christianity? Is no. it possible? It's impossible. And then, so do you have to be baptized? Yes, because that's your that's being born again. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Born by water and the Spirit. And then, because by was, the way, that's not a big deal. That's that's something that the Christians have uh, taught from the very beginning. So people often say to me, especially today, we have social problems today that nobody's ever had to deal with before. I said, that's not true at all. You look at ancient culture; nothing could be farther from the truth. We're exactly where we used to be. Uh, you didn't t- yeah, look. I was born this way. 
Yeah, that's why, and I was born away too, but that's why you have to be born again. And is that, well, I'm going to go back to this first. Is Because I was raised Jehovah's Witness for until like eighth grade, mm-hmm. and they have the pre-picked 144,000 that's going right. to go to heaven and help uh My God. great-grandma uh, fell for that. Really? And then, uh, and then, um, and then the rest will be the judgment day will come, and then there'll be a paradise on earth. Right. Originally, it, there was no leftover. There was only 144,000. But when they ended up with more than 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses, they had to change that. Twist it up. The, yeah. the, um, the circuit, I don't know, is it the circuit overseers or the governing body? The governing body that has to change that. So for, for the Orthodox Christian, if you go to heaven, if you go to heaven on that judgment day, are you going to keep all your memories or will you be cleansed of the memories? Oh, no. You, you are who you are. There's no mind wipe. You, you bear everything with you. This is why guarding your senses is so important. Mm-hmm. This is what we tell young men and young women today especially. Don't fall for the porn trap. I mean, everybody experiments. but That's it's, hard. Yeah. It's, as soon as you go down there, when you're away from it, you're assailed by all those images. And that affects your interior life. See, this is about the interior life Mm -hmm. and not about being good or being nice or being pious. This is about uh, being watchful, being clean, being healthy. When you're young, you can eat like crap. You can work out the wrong way all the time and you can make gains. Yeah. But over time, eating like crap will get to you. And in in the Orthodox Christian, do they talk about eating healthy or treating your body healthy? Oh, my gosh. We fast almost literally half the year. And then when you're not fasting, what are you eating? Donuts. <laughs> when again, <laughs> my wife, uh, my wife is a uh, well. I, I, it looked like I eat a lot, but my wife is a French chef, so that's part of my excuse. But also, I have some grandchildren that are very gluten sensitive. They don't break out in hives, but their behavior gets kind of erratic. So she has to make a lot of gluten free things, like gluten free donuts. Which, by the way. Are better than regular donuts, and like them. yeah, then I mean, the recipes are quite good. And gluten-free uh, cupcakes also very excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we have to go out of our way to make sure that that the the kids have as little of that as uh, as possible. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, eggs, three, two, two eggs. Two. I have a question. Yeah, how do you guys distribute the money? Is it like 90, 10, 90 to the pastor, ten to the church? <laughs> I wish ninety five, baby. <laughs> I keep telling people, you know, if I if I did a Joel Osteen, I I would be driving a Bentley for sure. I'd have hey, a Bentley. There's some order. pastors out there doing it. I oh, know. Gross. We call them frauds. Mm. Okay, and let me be very clear about this. Okay, when I was younger, as a trying to be an honest man, it's all you can do, right? I gave the benefit of the doubt to a lot of these guys, but I started to I started to actually meet some of them. They're all frauds, every single one of them. When you have a guy that says, I, I saw this plane on sale and I just had to buy it. So you don't have to buy a plane. You can sit in coach like everybody else. Here, sit in first class. Nobody's going to judge you for that. Well, I need, uh, I need to, they make excuses of every variety. No, they're, they're frauds. In my under my bishop. What's the average salary? For the ones that are balling. Like, my, there's a lot. Not yours. Our, mo- most Orthodox priests don't get paid. How do you make money? We work. Hmm. I'm a graphic designer. 
unfortunately, I'm 61. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an agent. I don't have an agency. And everything I do gets by word of mouth. But I was lucky enough to... I started designing websites when there were literally just a couple hundred on the internet. So I have lots of experience. I'm very, very fast. Um, but the, those days are ending. You know, I don't, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. Others are involved in computers. Some uh, large Orthodox churches do pay their priests. Um, but to be honest, most of us, uh, most of us work. Work, yeah. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. It's like St. Paul, he's a tent maker. He had to pay his own way through. Now, interestingly about this, the the Bible specifically says Jesus said, "Those who preach the gospel should get their living by the gospel," because mm -hmm. he this is a this is a thing he wants done. But we don't make use of those rights because we have we want to spread the faith. We want to plant more churches, and we can't wait for a church to have a hundred families and plenty of uh, uh, barbecues, uh, fundraisers. Uh, we've got to get work done. Do a lot of church because because I think do a lot of churches require a percentage of people's income? Not Orthodox Christian, but no, no, ones? no. Um, well, if you look at cults, yes, they do. Um, the uh, Mormons require ten percent. Um, the uh, Unification Church, uh, the Moonies, they require a third. So most Moonies are business people because they can't survive otherwise. Of your your whole income, your whole income, gross Damn. income. Dang, they count in pockets. Right, <laughs> right. Now, in our church, what we teach is this. the There's the Old Testament standard and the New Testament standard. Now, the New Testament standard is a fuller revelation, right? Therefore, New Testament righteousness must exceed Old Testament righteousness. Well, if tithing, giving one-tenth of your income to the church, is the Old Testament standard, which it is, then the Christian standard must be a tithe plus one. I mean, make it make it silly, but what you're saying is you're exceeding Old Testament giving just by one dollar. But you're doing it. You're doing it. And it suddenly becomes it becomes very easy. And places where not everybody is able to do that, of course. There it takes some faith to do that. But the 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 three legs of the table of Christian spirituality, the foundation of spirituality is based on what are the enemies of the soul? The enemies of the soul are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, We combat the devil through prayer. The interior life lives in a spiritual medium. The soul lives in a spiritual medium. And people have a spiritual experience and think everything spiritual is good. That's like going to Detroit and noticing that the Montrose Jazz Festival is fantastic. The Renaissance Center is beautiful. All this culture and all this beauty... And then you wander into Highland Park and realize I'm in real danger. You from Michigan? Yeah, I grew up in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, Same my Michigan started, brother. Yeah. Well, whatever, brother. Really? Yeah. Yep. South Haven. Go Lions, baby. Yeah. yeah. They're doing it. I was. Uh, I spent most of my time in. Uh, uh, you a pimp, man? Climates. Come on. What? You from Michigan? I know you smooth. You a smooth talker. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, baby. Yeah, you a smooth talker. You um, from Detroit? You know, when I went to Kodiak because I went to seminary in Alaska. I went to the DMV there, and you take the, the Alaskan driver's test to get a license because you have to do it. And every person there is from Michigan. And I, I constantly meet people where everybody in the office is from Michigan, something like that. It's funny. Yeah, I guess we're, we're a 
great underground success. We're all over the place. Yeah, so it takes real. care of it. Um, but but what I was going to say is the the world, the flesh, and the devil. You fight the devil through prayer. You fight the flesh through fasting to not satisfy its needs, and then you fight the world materialism through generous giving. Hmm. And those 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 are literally the ABC kindergarten level spiritual. Uh, disciplines that every person has to master. If you're a master of prayer and f- you can fast on bread and water the whole year, but you're not generous, you're just a selfish pig that's on a great diet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is a very important part of what we do. Now, in my parish is what we teach, and it's it's small. It's like 80 people. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't ordered my Bentley yet, so, you know, something it's to on its way. look forward to, <laughs> I wish. Um, so was there any... You just don't want the IRS to come get you. <laughs> <laughs> they always, they are always around, you know, and they don't like churches, so. <laughs> was there any point in, like, history where Orthodox Christians and stuff had multiple wives? No, no. In fact, it's, it's through Christian influence that Jews no longer have multiple wives. Oh. It was in... I think it was in the 11th century in Germany, Rabbi Gershom declared that Jewish men could only have one wife from then on or they'd be excommunicated. And what's the influence of that? The, the teachings of Christ that, that they were made man and woman. The Old Testament has lots of many, many wives, but that there would be one wife and one husband and they should love each other. So and and I see this work itself out, by the way. Uh, I, I'm familiar with Andrew Tate. I'm familiar with a lot of the things he's gone through. But you know what? One woman. Yep, a primary. Because that's what got him in trouble. Those women turned on so, him. So if, you could, if you could have two women, you you could be married to two, you wouldn't do it? No. Yeah. Well, what First about- of all, women are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> And I tell my wife, you know, don't worry, honey, I can't afford another woman. And you know what her response is? And I'm going to make sure you can never afford another woman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, uh, gosh, damn, what was I, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mormons. Because Mormons, they what? where is their belief? Because some of them have tons of wives. Yeah, Mormons aren't Christians. Okay. They're not Christians, Christians. And they have, there's... There's some law in there, and they get those ladies on board, and they have multiple wives. It's just, it's just like Islam. Uh, Joseph Smith was able to not only have many wives, but he said that more Mormons could only have like four or something. Um, but he could have as many as he wanted, and included other people's wives. Mm. Yeah, that's not holy. That's just being a pig. That's horny. <laughs> right, right. There's nothing holy about that. Yep. No prophet did that. And it's the same with Islam. Muhammad had 14 wives, including women that were almost babies. Um, it's okay for him, but Muslims can only have four. It said, you know, laws for thee, but not for me. That's not the Christian way. Yeah. Christian way is, I mean, give you an example. In our church, I, a married man, can become a priest. But when I, if my wife dies or divorces me, I can never remarry. One wife, because Christ has one church. His, his Israel is his beloved. He doesn't have many loves. His uh, humanity is his desire, and particularly uh, the church. So <clears throat> we we take our bishops not from among married men, but from monks, because our monasteries are the Johns Hopkins universities of our interior tradition. If you want a person who is a a high level, like neurosurgeon level 
person of the spiritual life, you go to the monasteries and you get those men because that's what they're studying all day long. Mm -hmm. And those are the men who become our bishops so that they can sustain that tradition. And, And by the way, today, unfortunately, Orthodox Christianity is the only church that is able to maintain its moral tradition. Everything's gone by the wayside. Evangelicalism has gotten woke. Uh, don't even start me on the Roman Church, which we consider the first Protestant church. But this is why we are inundated with people your age, young families, young men that understand that uh, men should be men. Masculinity isn't toxic. Masculinity is what built and sustains civilization. Yep. And the problem often is that we we've oprified men turn them into pajama boys, and women think they need to be, if you'll forgive me for saying it, bitch bosses. Mm-hmm. None of them, even the ones that want to get married, want to be a wife. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a very high calling, very specific. But when when a husband and a wife love each other, and that that is the galvanized cell of civilization. And if it doesn't return, our trouble. civilization is within two generations of disappearing breaking down can't find a wife at a strip club no no that's right um we got some questions here on patreon so uh they don't have to be super long either um because there's quite a few of them but yeah this one remind me to give short answers yeah 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 (laughs) i talk for a living i apologize in advance no i like it chris polanco father john thoughts on tattoos are they a sin tattoos are not a sin they're part of a pagan tradition so generally speaking you sort of put the marks of your God on. However, I know priests that have giant crosses tattooed on them. And I also know that in Egypt, the Copts all have crosses either on their foreheads or on their hands, so that if they ever even think of apostatizing, they're reminded, you can, you have to kill me to separate me from Christ, and that will just unite us. So they're very, like in Ethiopia, you'll, you'll see women with crosses tattooed right on the forehead. Um, and the, that's one of the oldest churches in the in the world. Now, uh, my sons all have tattoos. I don't have tattoos. I use the excuse, well, you know, you don't put a bumper sticker on a Rolls Royce. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is that I just don't like needles. Mm-hmm. So, but we have many people in our church who have tattoos, and you don't have to have them all scrubbed before. You know, it's just it's like hairstyle today. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dre. I was going to ask do you smoke a little weed. I don't know. Any drugs that you like? Uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, I don't uh, participate in anything that uh, would cause me to lose my uh, discipline and control. Like, uh, what about caffeine? Uh, I, I have a Coke a day. Mm-hmm. I don't drink coffee, but not because it's got caffeine. It just tastes bad. It's made out of beans, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, um, caffeine, yeah, you got to watch any addiction. So tobacco, liquor, drugs, uh, weed. Porn is mine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, you're battling with the devil there, and everyone's having it. I can help you because I've I've gotten men further in than you. I actually just quit smoking weed, too, last night, so I need you to pray for me. This week's going to be rough for me. Hey, let's talk afterwards. I can help you. 100%. The thing is is that none of these things, people tend to look at this stuff as, uh, I, I'm completely hopeless. I'm down a rabbit hole so far. There's no way to, for me to dig out. And to be honest, it's such a far thing. I don't even want to think about digging out of it. It's a complete lie. Yep. Do you ever see the movie Undercover Brother? Yep. 
Okay, undercover brother, he goes into the, into the uh, he's going to meet the brotherhood the first time, and he goes into the barbershop, right? And uh, the guy clicks the button, and all of a sudden, ah, and he's falling down, and there's lights, and there's a fan and everything, and he's dropped down like six feet. He's only six feet down, but because of the fan and because of the lights, he thought he was dropping down like a quarter mile. Okay, that's what addiction does to you. You think you're a mile down. You're just six feet down. Now, if you jump into a six-foot grave, you can't get yourself out most of the time. If you're my height, especially. I'm 5'6". I'm okay, but with a little help, you can get out. But it's not digging a mile out of it. I assure you, I've been a priest for almost 30 years, okay? I've seen... Do, do people confess to you? Oh, Seems yes. Like... Oh, yes. And, that, and that's, a, that's heavy. But, oh, I bet. But the grace of God is that you don't... You remember... The advice you gave them, but you don't remember the sin. Thank so, God. So, so you'd be like, "Oh, because, I gotta be careful about well, that guy," because <laughs> you gotta go to the cops at some point if something's too much. Well, he's gonna up. rob the church. Stuff like that, you see, you can't have absolution. Your sins aren't remitted, yeah, unless you go and confess. Um, yeah, we. <laughs> when I say there's nothing new under the sun, believe me, the we have we have canons and instructions that go back eighteen hundred years. And those are the prescriptions we use in confession. And believe me, they're as apt today as they are any other time. Human beings haven't changed. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I consider myself a pretty healthy guy. I try to eat good foods. I mean, so, probably 90, 10, 80, 20, I'm eating good foods. I'm uh, staying in good shape. I care about my body. And I do enjoy a little bit of vaporized cannabis herb mm -hmm. in the nights and it makes me feel good it makes me get creative and i'm not addicted to it i've i haven't smoked for i mean for now four or five days because i've been sick but i really enjoy it and i think it benefits my health mm -hmm. and it might mm -hmm. it might you have to remember that cannabis is just a it's a weed the the problem with it of course is that abuse the abuse of it the addiction to it and worse the cannabis today is not the cannabis of the 1960s True. It is. It is way more potent, w dangerously more potent. Yeah. So all that aside, what I'm saying is this: when you're in a position where, if you wear the wrong color socks, in my position, mm -hmm. everybody notices. If you do something wrong, if you smell like coffee, if you smell like weed, if you smell like bourbon, it doesn't matter why you do that. It doesn't matter what you were doing with the previous three hours trying to save someone's life, people assume you've made a mistake. So you have to be always very cautious. You have to avoid even the image of impropriety. We gotta, I mean, I mean, you're more than welcome to come train here, but we gotta get, get you in shape. I would love that. It's been a long, long time. Like I said, I haven't done it for a while, partly because I'm old, uh, but you'll be happy to know in spite of this, because <laughs> my wife's a good chef. Yeah. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have any heart trouble. Um, I'm actually, I wouldn't say I'm in decent shape, but I'm, I don't have any medical problems from being overweight. What kind of pharmaceuticals do you enjoy? Uh, ibuprofen for my shoulder. Shoulder injury. Yeah, uh, Benadryl. Perkies? No. <laughs> <laughs> NyQuil when I had COVID. Uh, that's what helped me sleep, actually. But I'll, I'll tell you, um, I coughed so hard when I had COVID pooped yourself um, no no i <laughs> threw some ribs out of a place ah. and they've never returned 
Um, yeah, so I can't. I really can't spar anymore. Yeah, the ribs are brutal. You need to go see a chiropractor. Yeah, maybe, maybe they could put it back. Um, the doctors I talked to said, "Is it just pain?" I said, "Yeah, it's just pain." He goes, "Okay, well, there's not really anything we can do about it." So, how did you find out? I mean, we got some more questions here, so it doesn't yeah, let's be, go. Doesn't have to be a long, long one. But how did you find out about Andrew Tate? Uh, I I live on planet Earth, and the I, YouTube or the Instagram. Oh, not Instagram. No. I'm about to say, if you're on Instagram, I know you're sending. Yeah. No. Let me see that search feed. <laughs> not, no no Instagram, no TikTok. Um, but here, let me give you a, a good example of what I think being a man is. That's a simple thing. Yep. It's not judging anybody. My wife asked me one time, can I see your phone? Absolutely, anytime you want. Aren't you worried about your privacy? privacy who is jasmine this is my wife <laughs> this is my wife this is the mother of my children if i'm in the hospital paralyzed i know she will advocate for me like a rabid dog yep. she treats me like a king she feeds me like i'm orson wells not gonna get there eventually but i i have the best possible life of course she can look at anything she wants now she's aware that that people will talk to me sort of in private and in confidence and that sometimes that comes over with texts. I don't care. She's a priest's wife. She can look at anything she wants anytime. I don't have anything to worry about. See, when you when you don't lie, you don't have to remember anything. You ever had a member hit on you? Oh yeah. Well, when, when say you're walking, you're with your That's wife. Desperation, right? <laughs> say say you're with your wife and you walk by a female and she's got phenomenal butt cheeks, phenomenal boobs, <laughs> and just something in you is wanting to just look. Do you? Would you say that's Satan working? I would say this. The first look is nature. The second look is sin. So now, the first look, you better make it a long one. Well, no. See, but if you're glaring, that's a second look. So what you got to do is look over here, and you know she's going to walk that sure. way. So she's gonna <laughs> but I'll tell you this also, and there's, there's, ah. a, there's a great advantage here. And, of course, I know you guys are younger than me. I'm the old man here, right? I, mm -hmm. I apologize. But there's a point at which in your interior life you notice people but you don't, you would notice that a woman is a woman, but you wouldn't have that instant checking her out sense. And and the best place to practice that is on a college campus. Oh, God. Oh, I hate it. So, right, because you, you go out there, you are assailed by breasts and butts. Yep. Right? Okay, when you, when you can walk on a college campus and notice women, but not notice that they are women, okay, then you're okay. That's when you're there. Plus, my wife is very You're bullcrapping me, Father. No, Jim. no, no. You just have shades on. Young priests have a hard time until they, until they get to this level of interior mastery. I know it sounds crappy and stupid, and it's not because our testosterone is low. Mm -hmm. I assure you, this is, it's a struggle for everybody. Holy hell. When I, when I hear people's confessions, I have to remind them, listen, you're struggling with lust. Guess what? That's part of being a man until the last... Nails in your coffin, we all do. The question is, at what point uh, does the struggle take place? There's, okay, this is short, I promise. Yeah. But there's different stages of temptation. The final stage of temptation is what's what we call prepossession. You're so used to doing the sin that the the moment between being aware of the temptation and doing it is so tiny and you, is that wisdom? What the? Oh, that's the uh, that's the planned uh, FEC 
uh, alert. Everybody's getting it says, that. Says this is the test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. The purpose is to maintain and improve alert warning capabilities. I knew that okay. would come on during their, during their interview. Yeah, right when we're talking about the blockchain. Anyway, the <laughs> <laughs> so the first part of a temptation is what's called um, uh, disturbance. It it has not formed a mental image in your mind yet, but you're aware of whatever it is is going to tempt you, right? Until a temptation forms a mental image, you are not culpable for any sin. There's no sin until you form a mental image. A beautiful girl walks by you, and you're immediately undressing her in your mind. You're kicked. You're well, culpable you... of that sin. But you can catch yourself. <sighs> and we have te- we have interior techniques called watchfulness, the techniques of watchfulness, which allow you to catch yourself earlier and earlier, and you're no longer a slave to that sin. See, a lot of things like pornography and other types of things are just habits of mind. Once you make that turn off, you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. You just don't have the techniques to turn back. Yeah, that's the thing. I've got to go through the ghetto because there's no instant on-ramp back to my regular life. I assure you that is a lie. I... And I don't just do this myself, and I'm not even the expert at it. Mm-hmm. I deal with young men, young women, and people of every age in every situation, and I'm telling you these work. I'm telling you these work. People are so, able to extract themselves from the worst kinds of interior slavery. And when they're free, and you know what it is to be free of a problem, yeah. of, free of something that you've been struggling with, it, it is liberty at the highest degree. You'll never turn back to it. So I have it, say say a, a man, a, a kid revving with testosterone. He hasn't busted in five days, and this girl looks him up and down and just is like, you can tell she's horned up too. Mm-hmm. He's horned up. What's the first step to just swerve into the right? Run. God, it's hard, Father. Yes, I know that. I was a young man once. <laughs> I went to Michigan State University. 20,000 beautiful women. Horny. Ugh. And horny. And and I'm telling you, the entire Big Ten would come there on weekends to scan the chicks. And this Jesus. we were around them all the time. Now when I met my wife So you weren't you weren't getting buck wild back then? No. No. Here and there. I met my wife, I proposed to her in a month. I was crazy in love. How long have you have been married? Thirty thirty eight years. It's impressive. And we were engaged for four years. I wanted to go through college and do it right. I should have just got married and lived in married housing. Would have been much better. It would much less torture. You'd have been sneaking over. And, oh, so you uh, met her in college? I met her in college. Uh, yeah. Did you first year? Did you guys? I mean, I don't want to get personal, but you guys have intercourse before marriage, or did you wait? Uh, please don't ask me personal questions like that. I want to. I don't want to do anything to dishonor my wife. One yeah, way of or the course. other. Of course. She is. Uh, uh, she was a godsend in a mul- many many ways. And uh, I, as I say, I chased her till she caught me. So what happens, would you say if a couple, because you, you agree that uh, someone should wait until marriage to ha- have sure. sex. Exclusively, when possible. And when, it, when they do, and then the sex just isn't good, and it just, they don't connect like they thought, what do you do? Well, what do you what do you do if you try a new technique on the mat and it doesn't work the first time? Practice. Well, that's a good answer. There. Well, isn't look look here's the secret. But not all of them are trainable. Hold on, hold on. You know what the secret about sex is? It's not special. It's common. Everybody's doing it. There's nothing special about sex. You know what is special? 
giving a girl orgasm. Your woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that person is the special one. Now, here's the other thing. We know statistically, just statistics, but but in orthodoxy, we deal with reality, not what we hope it is, okay? I want to make this very clear. When you look at statistics and you've got a girl that's got a body count, even a five or six, which by today's standards is low. Which is crazy, right? She's got a, a uh, 60% chance of uh, divorcing in her first two years. Really? Sure. With the five to six body count. Right. Holy. You know why? Because she's constantly comparing, just like we do. Yep. Well, guess what? Guess who the most satisfied, happy people are in their sex life and in their relationships? Virgins. Yes. You know why? They have to learn together. That's all they know. And they get better and better at it. And they don't have Jamal from down the street who has just a huge piece. Right. What are you comparing to? <laughs> the person you love. Yep. You know, it's a, I mean, if you want to j- buy a giant, forgive me, I don't mean delicate here, but if, if you need a giant cucumber, go get a giant cucumber. <laughs> the problem is, is that we've, we've equated, uh, uh, we, we've equated uh, experience with, with nobility or with virtue. It's not true. It's not true at all. And, and here's the thing. If you, if you want a good relationship between a man and a woman, they've got to really invest in that relationship. They can't sit back and go, well, that wasn't so good. Well, at least this guy was trying harder or this guy looked better. Or, you know, this guy's butt I like better. Whatever, whatever. That constant comparison means you are not committed. You're not in all. You're not all in. And you've got to be all in in a marriage. And it makes it hard because especially nowadays with Instagram and all that stuff, as soon as you get in a disagreement and then you're on Instagram, there's going to be a guy hitting on you. There's going to be a guy giving you what you sure. don't want. So it, it, in this day and age, I just think it's and way it, harder. It's it's not way harder. It's just lots more opportunities for guys to be dogs mm-hmm. and for women to uh, satisfy themselves and saying, ah, somebody else likes me. You know, he, he doesn't like you. He just wants to use you and abuse you. He just thinks your ass Throw is you away. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. He says he doesn't like you as a person. He doesn't like your personality. He doesn't want to handle you any more than anybody else wants to handle you. He just is looking for a, a partner for the night or for the for the moment. The, and this is the problem. With pornography, any young man can see more beautiful women than any ancient king. And ancient kings had thousands <laughs> Of concubines, thousands of wives. Solomon had a thousand wives and thousands of concubines. And yet a 12-year-old kid who has unfettered access to the internet can see more beautiful women than he ever did. You think this is good? You think this is healthy? And you and honestly, honestly, uh, you do good work here, all right? There's no amount of training. There's no amount of training on the mat that's going to make up for what he's doing to himself inside. Well, especially five, six years old, their brain's developing, and they're seeing these women get treated this way. They can see any sexy woman, any race that they want, doing anything at doing that anything. age. And so I'll then, tell you, the, the result of it is the perfect example of this, and I'm dead serious, is Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner lives in a mansion with all these beautiful women who will do anything he wants. And how is he ending up his life? He's sitting in the corner watching gay porn masturbating. Turns you gay. It'll turn you gay. Wait, I've he heard was gay? of that. No, no, I've heard of that. That yes. if you watch too much porn, it'll lead you to a gay. 
I better stop. <laughs> no, no, he's he's unfortunately right because what you need is something more and more extreme for stimulation. You get you're into that third, third, third session. You're the way third out bust, there. You're going to be getting into some shit. You're so like, well, you know this I'm, I'm obviously this obviously isn't the normal conversation for Orthodox priests on podcast. So yes, yes, let me start is. there by saying that. But let me say this, I and I say this with with decades of experience. You're not in prison. You're not trapped. There's a way out, and it's and it's it's not easy, but it's not the the existential crisis that people think it is. They've convinced us that it's impossible to break out of. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be. For, it's as difficult as getting out of the deep end when you don't know how to swim. Scary at first, but you'll get out and you'll live. So, and every addiction is that way. Yes, there's a part of you that has to die. But that's the part that should have been dead earlier, anyway. I mean, that's great stuff, Father John. Uh, let's. Uh, this one. This question here is for Jakar. Is twenty four too old to start a career in martial arts? And if it isn't, what is the best way I can protect my brain health? I mean, if if you come from a background, something twenty four isn't. I think I started around twenty four, twenty five. Mm-hmm. You had the background wrestling, wrestling, wrestling and competing. Um, wrestling and boxing are very good. Yeah. Very good. Jiu-jitsu, too? Yeah, jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu. I, I studied uh, judo and aikido uh, on into my uh, into my 30s. <clears throat> well, when you're short like me and you have short arms, unless you're as tough as Rocky Marciano, there's no point in yeah. getting a <laughs> fist match, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is a question for you. I shouldn't talk. No, I like it. I no. think 24 is good. Did you compete? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are you good? I was fast. Nice. I was fast. Fast twitch. The as my father said to me, and my my dad, we didn't find out till my dad was dead that he actually did a lot of special forces type stuff. He said, "Listen, it doesn't matter if they're stronger than you, or they're faster than you, or they're better than you. Are you faster than they think you are? Are you better than they think you are? Are you stronger than they think you are? You'll win. Mm-hmm. If they underestimate you, you'll win. Mm-hmm. I like it." Yeah, I spent most I spent most of my time running away from fights. So let's make this one a little bit short because you could probably go off on this one for a long. This is Nick Bonsella. What are some short. tips that help you stay grounded in your life while external factors like social media try to manipulate your thoughts and actions? Uh, uh, cut off access to anything that manipulates you. That's it. Yeah. Bingo. Uh, and let me say this: uh, I had a girl come to me once. Say, I have a, uh, when I read science fiction novels, they consume my mind. What do I do? I said, stop reading, period, cut off. Well, nobody's ever told me that before. I said, but anything gets between you and God has to go, period. You don't save it, you get rid of it. And if you know you're being influenced poorly by social media, get off social media. If it's the news, the news is is all propaganda today. Don't watch it. Whatever is influencing you so that you don't have freedom to actually make decisions yourself, get rid of it now. You'll you'll be happier. You'll be much happier. That's good. Uh, Ryan from Patreon here. Drakkar, how do you typically prepare mentally before a fight to ensure you're in the right mindset? Just making sure I do everything right. Eating right. uh, Sleeping right. uh, Just doing everything the best I can. Yeah, making sure you're prepared. I mean, literally, it sounds so cliche, but your confidence is going to come from your training. It really is. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of a training camp, when you're completely out of shape, you're 30 pounds overweight, you're like, holy shit. But you, if you literally trust the process, you know by the time the fight comes and you do everything right, you're going to be ready to go. Yep. 
I mean, there's always there's always going to be that doubt, though. There's rarely going to be a fight where you're just no, not nervous at all. Don't really feel any emotions. Uh so no, but that that, that heightened sense also makes you getting you ready to go. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I love what you said. Trust the process. When you have a process that actually is effective, whatever it's in, whether it's the interior life or training for martial arts, if the process is good, you trust the process. People got to be reminded of that today. We're so overly individualistic that when you're in a good process, trust it. That's I wanted to highlight. You said something very wise there, really, really important. Trust right. the process. And this is also outside of fighting. What hobbies or interests do you have that help you relax and unwind? Right now, really just coaching, playing with King, playing with King. But you know what I mean. Like it's kind of hard because you know this journey. You have to put all your time into it. Yeah. I think once I'm retired, I can have other things to do. But right now, everything's either coaching or fighting. How about you, Father John? What are you into besides, okay, say you just got done on a Sunday and uh, your work's done. And what kind of, what are you turning on the tube? Or are you, oh, no, what, what I, kind of I stuff are you doing? Collapse. I have a post-liturgical nap. I go home and my wife feeds me something and I lay down for a nap, seriously. And it's not because I'm 60. I thought when I was young. Oh, these old priests, look at them, they just can't take it anymore. When I've when I have delivered my sermon and I've given communion, and my my sermon is not from notes, it's it's from everything that I've memorized for the week, my brain is pudding at that point. You can ask me anything, I could probably answer you, but I won't remember any of it. And then I go home and rest. Um, my my wife doesn't cook on Sunday, so my son usually does, and he's very good, so we eat real well. Um, but I, I have a giant uh, garden at home, and uh, I've my grandfather was a farmer, so I do a lot of gardening, a lot of raised bed gardening. Um, I'm always interested in uh, trying to figure more of that out. I used to, when I lived in Prescott, I had like 25 chickens, and chickens are more entertaining than the internet, let me tell you. If you've got 25 chickens, you just go out and watch them all day, it's hilarious. Have a good time. I'm telling you, it's hilarious. Little things like that. I'm an artist, so I do stuff like that. Um, uh, I, I have a lot of different activities that I have to multitask on. So I can go from one thing to another, and it's usually very different from the last thing, and that's very refreshing. Winston Churchill was good at this. When he needed a break and he needed rest, he didn't take a nap. He went out and he painted a painting, or he went out and built a wall. That was more refreshing for him than actually resting. And and uh, this is something we, we forget. Recreation isn't always just playing and sleeping. Sometimes it's just doing something that is so different from what we normally do, it restores us much faster. And that's, for for me, those are the little things. Plus, I've got lots of grandchildren crawling all over me, asking for M&Ms and other stuff like that. So I've got, I have plenty to distract Trying myself. Trying to take from your there. M&Ms? No, no, no. I, I have them in my bedroom. If they're good, I'll give them some. So they're always telling me when they've been good. They want mm. M&Ms constantly. Okay. And there is my wife in there eating them while they're watching her eat and go, yes, Papa for some. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Jakar, would you want to rematch Dariush one day? How do you see it playing out? And what adjustments would you make going into that rematch? Um, Of course, you know, hopefully, you know, two more fights. I can rematch him. Just go in there and do the same thing. Just be a little bit more calm. Mm-hmm. Once you heard him. Yep. Once you heard him, for sure. Okay, here we go. We got a lot of deep questions here. We'll have to have Father John on another day, and we'll go go through the. I'll deep answer questions. short. I promise. Um, here we go. How about this for Jakar? How to protect your joints? Any specific mobility exercises for your knees and elbows that you do now? 
it's a lot of stretching. Make sure you get up every day, stretch. You've been doing some moving first thing in the morning? Just moving. Yeah, I'll get up, go uh, walk for an hour, uh, do my stretching, do a little bit of lifting. Then I'll get my day started. That's good. That's good. A lot of these questions here we kind of already answered. Um, Father John, how would you recommend choosing a girlfriend or partner in today's world? What specific values or traits should us Jobans be looking for in chicks? Mm. That's the $64,000 question. Well, I, first of all, I, uh, you, you date for a mate, number one. If you're, if you're actually serious, don't mess around with anything else. Don't waste your time and energy on anything else. Look for a mate. And that means you're looking for a wife, a woman that wants to be a wife. She, a lot of girls today have grown up with mothers that didn't want to be wives or were terrible wives. Um, but there's a resurgence of, uh, of women that want to learn, that want to be wives. Trad wife, uh, Pearl, uh, you know, you've seen her, I'm sure. Um, she talks about this a lot. She actually is taking wife lessons, which to me is almost silly, but I understand she really wants to, to be a good wife. Um, if you find a woman that actually wants to be a wife, not just get married, you're 90% there. You're 90% there. Compatibility matters a little bit. Um, and you want to. You don't have to have the same hobbies or anything. You you do want to have the same kind of goals, though. You want to look forward to the same kind of life. And remember this. I say this to young men all the time. Please remember, the woman does not want to be the adventure. She wants to go on your adventure. So have an adventure worth going on. Mm. You know, But look for a wife because, because that's the person... It's going to cook you snacks. That's a person that's going to take care of you when you're down, when you're in pain. She's going to be there. She's going to protect the integrity of your house and your children. She's not going to be led astray by, you know, Tony the pool boy. Jamal. Right, yeah. It's it's going to, she's, she's all in. And uh, uh, they're not impossible to find. But again, you're not going to find them at the strip club. You're not going to find them at meat markets. You've got to go to places where girls like this go. Coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Coffee shop. Colleges, uh, bookstore. Colleges actually are are quickly becoming an, an, a a non issue. There's so much terrible terrible activity going on in colleges. Um, uh, of course, I recommend church, but not every church is safe. Some churches are crazy. Tinder, no. Tinder, no, <laughs> no. If a girl is on Tinder, if a girl has uh, Instagram or OnlyFans, run, right, run. Because the the benefit for you is is diminishing. If she she marries you for a day, she can take half your stuff. Yeah. But what if they're only selling feet pics? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a certain amount of narcissism still involved in that. You might say, okay, she's very creative, and she's being modest to a certain extent. So let's say uh, my best advice would be play that by ear, but talk to your spiritual father. <laughs> like that. For, for safety's sake. For safety's sake, because you might say, "God, this girl, she's so pretty, she's so nice, she's so this and that." You, we always have a tendency to see what we want and overlook what we don't want. Uh, an outside person might say that this girl's. There's no giant warning flags. Another some might say, "This girl has red alarms all over her. Stay away, stay away, run. Actually, stay stay completely away." Yeah. And there's plenty of circumstances where those things are. I often have people say to me, Father John, should I should I pursue a relationship with this girl? Should I marry this girl? Should I marry this guy? 
I said, don't ask me that question. If I say, yes, marry them, and it's a terrible marriage, you blame me. Mm-hmm. And if I say, don't marry them, and you marry someone else, and that's terrible, and you said, I should have married you know, Jimmy back in the day, and you told me no, that's my fault too. People love to avoid responsibility, but don't expect, even I, who am happily married for all this time, can tell you, it's a, it was a lot of work putting our relationship together. Like, I, I, like me, it. I want to marry Courtney, but for me, it's like, I just don't want that paperwork. It feels like females change once that paperwork. They do. So That's why cohabitation is so dangerous. Would you recommend prenups? They're worthless. Do you know how many prenups actually hold up in, in uh, court? How many? Statistically zero. Really? Yeah. Statistically, I mean, it's it's a tiny percentage, and it's always with million dollar people. Otherwise, there's always a way out of it. Mm-hmm. So you think you're getting security out of it, but in fact, you're just you're well, fooling yourself. My whole thing is like, why why do I have to let the government you know? Like, if I love someone, I don't I don't need to do all that paperwork. Right, right. But marriage isn't isn't government paperwork. Then what is it? Uh-huh. Don't you have to go to the city very, courthouse or the? No, see, in the church, we believe this is the this is the uh, the purpose of humanity is to uh, to have healthy marriages, and so it's not. Uh, if I often have people say, "Well, Father, we've lived together for a couple of years. We're just trying out marriage." I said, "You guys actually are the ones that are more likely to divorce within a year, eighteen months, because you think cohabitating is marriage, but the minute you marry, what do you do?" You start right, acting like a husband. You start acting like a wife. Hey, this you, this isn't the person I was living with before. Of course not. It, because it's cohabitating is not the same as marriage. People always will act different because they're growing into the role. And if that's uncomfortable, guess what? 18 months later, gone. Bye-bye. I've seen people uh, cohabitate for 15, 20, 30 years, get married, divorce two years later. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is if... If you've got a good woman and you want to keep her, you you really want the relationship with her, have some premarital counseling and then and then get into a marriage. If she's devoted to you, if she wants to be a wife to you, then that's the girl. Yep. That's good. I'm not telling you what to do. No, no, no. She's definitely the one, but for me it's just like I just don't want that change like yeah, you, but, females change like once that like I said, they, they do they start becoming a wife or do they start becoming uh, controlling. Yeah, th- there's a difference. There's a difference. Are you are you want to butt heads with her because she suddenly is taking more on herself, or is she actually going to be a wife to you? And you're still going to butt heads over things, but they're the they're the steps that galvanize the foundation of your relationship yeah. for so the what future. If, so what if you get married and then down the line, say maybe you're growing and your partner's not into growing, and you guys' paths are just going in a different way they just really are would you recommend happens 100 percent of the time and i have the solution let's hear it uh here's the here's the metaphor for it it's a dumb metaphor but it's the best one i've ever seen back in the 70s i hate admitting that guy planted two trees next to each other and as the trees grew he grafted the branches together and he made a ladder tree out of it but you could see that at certain points, one tree grew faster than the other one. And then the other one grew faster. But because they were connected, they stayed together. You're going to grow in directions you can't anticipate. That's the world. That's the world. 
But you have to reach out and reconnect. You have to reach out and make sure that you're connected as you continue to grow. Otherwise, you get so far apart, you turn around and look at the person and say, who are you? You're not the person I married. So in there's no circumstance where it's like, probably best to just get a divorce. There are circumstances like that. Um, they're rare. Uh, infidelity uh, is uh, one of the purposes uh, that the Lord allowed for divorce. Um, uh, physical or psychological abuse um, is another one. Uh, the protection of uh, uh, children is another one that's sometimes you, you have to protect children by getting out of that marriage. However, oh, and insanity, of course, is, an, is one people never talk about. But we have so many mental problems today, it's an actual, it's an actual consideration. Uh, the thing is, is that most people, if they try it out, they've taken five steps into a marriage, and like, well, this isn't working out. <laughs> In the old days, people stayed married because they had to to survive. And you got along with your in-laws, not because you got along with them, but because you depended on each other for survival. Did you ever see um, Penn and Teller's uh, uh, bullshit show on um, HBO on peace, world peace? No, it's absolutely worth watching because, again, they they go strictly for the thing and they figure that you know what peace is. Let me tell you, Penn and I, Teller and I don't even like each other. We've been we've been together. We work together for years. We're not even really friends. We get along, but sometimes we don't get along. We don't even like each other that much. You know why we stay together? Because of the money. We like the money. We like this lifestyle. He said, economic interdependence is what keeps our relationship healthy. I know that if I go too far with him, I've just blown my paycheck. And doing it by myself, I'm not willing to take that risk. In the old days, you had multi-generational families. The men would go out and work. The women stayed home and took care of all the house and the kids together. And people depended on each other economically for survival. Now today, everybody wants to be out on their own at 19 uh, and uh, buying a car and buying a house and all these other things that they can't sustain or survive. And this is unfortunately what the people in higher levels in our society want. They want us to be slaves. Yeah. Work, work, that. work. I feel that. Yeah, and um, a marriage a marriage is an economy of many of these things. Mm-hmm. You, you do save uh, resources by being married. It, it, that's the economic argument, obviously. But the, the point is, is that marriage is more than just cohabitation and a piece of paper, I assure you. And in the church, it's, it is considered as such a sacred covenant that in our church, you don't even take vows. You say yes and no. That everything think, else the church tells you what it means. Do you think it's possible to have a, a, a good relationship without that piece of paper that says you're married? Well, you can always have a good relationship with somebody, but that's not the same thing as being married. And maybe that role is even being played and like they are married, but they're not? No. I don't think so. No. And that's why you have women that are willing to be married but not be wives. Mm. All right. Well, I got uh, sorry to switch subjects. No, no. That was that was great, but uh, that's a deep rabbit hole. Of course, oh, yeah. change the subject. We'll, we'll we'll get in. I mean, we'll have we'll have you on again, Father John. We'll talk about You're all generous. It's gonna be good. And then uh, this tonight we're doing. Well, it'll be yesterday at this point, but next week we're starting to serve the drinks in the room too. And in, and in those drinks is this magnesium. Most people are deficient in. 
and then there's aminos, great for athletes, and then there's creatine, and it's going to be all mixed into this 24-ounce lemonade. And Dan Garner, who's our nutritionist, he's a nutrition expert, he's going to just real quick, he sent me a message on the benefits of those before or after training. Let's hear what he has to say. Timbo, what's going on? Look, this creatine, amino acid, and magnesium drink, you got to call it the four R's. This is the Red Hawk Refuel, Recover, and Rehydrate drink. <laughs> You're knocking down all three at the same time. From a refueling perspective, we're talking about creatine. Creatine helps you produce energy at a faster rate, but it also helps you store more energy inside the muscle cell as well. Essentially, you're enhancing anaerobic ATP production to increase peak energy output, but also maintaining that output. Long story short, it essentially helps your guys be more explosive, but also maintain that explosiveness for a longer period of time than they otherwise would have because it's working on both peak power and capacity of that anaerobic system. Now with the amino acids, what we're doing is essentially starting the recovery process before the workout's even over. You are providing the body and the muscles with nutrients to prevent breakdown during an exercise event that would otherwise break them down, essentially creating less of a recovery demand post-training so that you recover faster and you're going to feel much better and you're going to be more prepared going into your next training session the next day or even that very day. And magnesium, magnesium, it's what regulates the other electrolytes. So sodium causes muscular contraction, but potassium causes muscular relaxation. Yet magnesium is what determines intra and extracellular concentrations of both of those. So you could have optimal sodium and optimal potassium, and it won't really matter unless you have enough magnesium, because magnesium is the doorman that determines what gets in the muscle cell and what gets out. So between the three of these, you got refuel, recover, and rehydrate all knocked out. Um, I would have this within 15 minutes before training, during training, or within 15 minutes after training. And that's, uh, yeah, our, our um, nutritionist, Dan Gardner, he's just, he's the man. He helps so many high-level athletes in the in the NHL, in the UFC, been working with him for years now. He's the man. And we're all those supplements are going to be the third-party tested Thorn supplements. So I'm so excited to be able to serve those to my uh, my students. And I think they're going to love the drink. So tonight we're testing it out, and then next week we'll be officially serving them so you can come and get them before or after practice. So, um, where, where, what's your uh, Instagram, Drakkar? Uh, <coughs> just Drakkar Close. Drakkar Close on Instagram. Uh, follow him. He's got this fight coming up, and he's gonna he's gonna beat on old Joe Selecki. Yep. December second, Austin, Texas. Let's go, baby. Awesome. And then Father John, where they, where can people follow you? Uh, you can go to ArizonaOrthodox.com. That's uh, my parish website. It has a ton of information on it. You can also, I have a personal blog, which is uh, FatherJohnPeck.com. But uh, it's uh, I don't update it every day or anything. It's uh, I've got plenty of other things I have to do. It's mostly uh, moral and spiritual issues articles that have been put up by there. But I would recommend ArizonaOrthodox.com for uh, content information or if you want to find out where I'm at. Make sure you go there and donate. <laughs> You're a good man. <laughs> well, and uh, patreon.com slash Red Hawk Academy. That's where content's going all the time. They just redid the app so I can chat with everyone on there a lot easier. Um, I'm doing my newsletter on there every week. And then I'm on Snapchat now too. Tim Welch, MT. So hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, hit that like and subscribe button. And I'll see you guys next week. Love y'all. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you.